begin in verse 5 in just a moment. Now, the context here that we're looking at today is very simple and very easy. Saul is just anointed to be king. And Samuel had just poured a bunch of oil on him, which really represents the anointing. Everyone say the anointing. And so we pick it up here in verse uh, 5. It says, after that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass. When thou art come hither to the city, thou shalt meet a company of prophets. Say prophets. They're coming down from the high place with a psaltery and tabard and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. Verse 6, and the Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord, say it. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and thou shalt be turned into another man. Amen. Another. Now, what does the word another mean? It means not the same. It means different than from before. When God turned Saul into another man, Saul was a better man for it. The question I have for you is, can our Father do that in your life? As a matter of fact, it's one of His favorite things to do. He likes taking sin men and making them Christ men. He likes taking people out of darkness and bringing them into the light where they become a proverb to their family. They become, wow, look what the Lord has done. Can you say that, glory to God, about your life today? My God's done a good work in my life. If you can't, stick around a while. Notice with me, in verse 9 through verse 11, And it was so, when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. Verse 10, And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets, say prophets. They met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. So we see he's been turned into another man, and then the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he began to prophesy. Amen. And it came to pass... When all that knew him before time saw that behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, who is this that has come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? They were bewildered at Saul because the anointing is now on him. And one of the same place answered and said, but who is their father. Therefore it became a proverb. Is Saul among the prophets? This morning I want to preach a message to you called, Who's Your Father? I don't want to use the slang term from some old movies called, Who's Your Daddy? But it would fit. <laughs> they were so amazed at what had taken place in Saul. They were so amazed at the prophets of God, representing God, that they said, Who 
is their father. Come on, somebody. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, that our father uses men and women just like you. Because the truth of the matter is, he has no one else. We're all he's got. Amen? And where we don't add up, you just mark it down, he's more than enough. He's more than more than enough. And the enemy of your soul will come to lie to your soul and tell you that you're just not enough. That you're too weak. That you don't add up. There's no way that God, who has the ability to turn you into another man, could ever use you. It is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Did you know it's not where you come from, it's where you're going that matters. It's not what you've done. What matters is what you're going to do. Hallelujah. It's not what you've been. The fact of the matter is, you're another man. You're a God man. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. So we don't have to pay any attention to the lies of the enemy. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter, I believe it's chapter, mm, let me see. I got to look at my notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, notice with me in verse 25. And we see some scriptures here right on through verse 29. Now this is not just a bunch of talk today. This is the word of God. It absolutely delights your father to change you and to use you for his glory. Hallelujah. Well, think about some of the people in the Bible that God used. Do you know that Rahab was the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus? And the Bible uses a polite word, says that, you know... Rahab was a harlot. She lived in the red light district. And, uh, you know, when you went to uh, Rahab's house, uh, it was not a nice house to go to. And yet God changed her. And God used her. You think about Moses. Moses said, I'm not able to speak. You can't use me. Gideon said to the father, man... Look at my family. Look where I've come from. Why in the world and how in the world could you use me? Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And every time God had an answer, a rebuke, if you will, to their doubt and unbelief, he said, I will be with you. I will use your mouth. I will fill your mouth with my goodness. And by the way, for Isaiah, let's take a hot coal from the altar and put it on his lips. Oh, the power of God. Oh, the goodness of our Father. Glory to God. He is awesome. He is wonderful. He's our Father. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You might want to get some air moving in here today. We don't want anybody sleeping in such a wonderful message like this. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1. Everyone say 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now notice this, because the foolishness of God, verse 25, is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty men, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And I qualified. And you qualified. And God, now notice, he's chosen the weak things. The enemy will tell you, you're weak. You're too insecure. You don't measure up. But the Bible says that our Father has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. And he has also chosen the base things of this world and things which are despised. Yes, has our father chosen and things that are not. Has the devil ever come along and told you that you're just not good enough? That you just don't measure up? You're just not it? Well, my Bible says that God has chosen the things that are not to put to not things that are. Glory to God. Who is your father? Who is your dad? Look at with me at Romans chapter 8 verse 15. Romans the 8th chapter and notice with me in verse 15. You know we can all have a joyful relationship with him. We're not under the law. We're under grace. And Paul so wonderfully illustrates to us through this glorious verse of Scripture. And I want you to read it with me. Ready, read. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now that's shouting ground right there. The spirit that came into you. The same spirit that came upon Paul. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is not a spirit of legalism. He's not a spirit of bondage. He is the spirit of liberty and there is no fear in him. Well, we didn't receive the spirit of fear. We're not under bondage to the law. But here's what we have received. Let's read it together. But we have received the spirit of adoption... Whereby, Abba Father. The word Abba there means Father. It means Daddy, Daddy. He is wanting us to get the point. He's not just saying you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba. It's a double-double. You've received Daddy, Daddy. And you know, it's, it's real easy sometimes for us to see Jesus in this joyful relationship with daddy, daddy. But somehow we feel like we don't measure up. Somehow we feel like we're disqualified from it. Not anymore because we are in Christ Jesus. Now let me read something to you I saw from a commentator. It's good. In the Roman world of the first century AD, an adopted son 
was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate his name and to inherit his estate. He was no way inferior in status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature. The commentator goes on to say this, that under Roman adoption, the life and standing of the adopted child, it changed completely. The adopted son, the adopted son lost all rights in his old family and gained all new rights in his new family. The old life of the adopted son was completely wiped out with all debts being canceled, with nothing from his past counting against him anymore. Woo, glory. Oh, I'm telling you, when God delivered you, he delivered you in style. The Bible says he blotted out the old note that was against us and he took it out of the way and he nailed it to the cross. And so there's no truth. As you turn in your Bibles to John 17, 23, there's no truth in all of the Bible as far-reaching as this blessed fact that we have been born again and we have come into the family of God. It is the Father and His family. The Apostle Paul said this. He says, there's just sometimes I like to bow my knees before the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Father. He is your Father. In religion, He's known as God. In religion, very oftentimes, His almightiness is emphasized. His creativity is emphasized. And those things are good because He is omnipotent and He is the creator of the universe. But somehow, some way, that puts that relationship at a distance. He's all powerful and you got to be afraid of him. You see, to the Jews, he was God. To the Jews, he was judge. To the Jews, he was someone to be feared. But to the child of God, he's our daddy, daddy. To the child of God, he's our heavenly father. To the child of God, he can be trusted. To the child of God, he is faithful. To the child of God, he is reliable. To the child of God, he is trustworthy. To the child of God, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. To the child of God, he is our father and we can fellowship with him. It is the father and his family. Woo, glory to God. Not to be afraid of him. Not to shrink back in fear of him. Yes, to reverence him. Yes, to love him. Yes, to respect him. But with open arms, our Father welcomes us into his presence every day. And that is something to shout from the housetops. That is something to be excited about. That, my friends, is revelation. John 17, notice with me in verse 23. John, the 17th chapter and the 23rd verse. You getting happy yet? We're getting a happy meal early today. John 17, 23. I love this. Jesus said, I and them and thou and me. He's talking about the Father. You know, over and over again, if you really look at the Gospels, you'll see Jesus many times, a multitude of times saying, My Father. My Father in me, he doth the works. My Father and I 
are one. My Father, I thank you that you hear me. And I know that you always hear me. He had such a consciousness of his Father. I believe that some way, somehow, that we can increase in the awareness that he's our Father. And the more we talk about him as our Father, the more real and the greater awareness and the greater revelation we will get that he truly is our Father. Amen. Amen. In John 17, 23, ready, read, let's go. I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent them and hast loved them. Man, that's awesome, isn't it? You know, when you get an understanding of how much your father loves you, you won't be afraid of anything. You'll just face life's challenges with a sense of more than a conqueror. You know, if your father be for you, who can be against you? If the Lord and the Father be on your side, we have nothing to fear. He is our light. He's our deliverer. He is our salvation. And so, I believe this, that the source of many people's insecurities and fear is people that do not know him As father. But they're afraid of him. And sometimes it's because they didn't have a natural father. And sometimes it's because they had nothing to relate to in the natural realm. And I understand that. I know that. But realize this. You're in a new family. You've got a heavenly father. Who says that he loves you. And that he will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. And so I understand that insecurities and fear can rob people out of life that Jesus desires to give them. This week, what I want you to work on as you are going through the week, I want you to talk to your father. And I want you to say this over and over again. God is my father. Let's try that on for size right now. Say it with me. My father father is God. God God is my father. father. He's my daddy. daddy. God God is my father. father. Our father, father. which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. You can hallow his names. You can fellowship with him. He is your father. Say it with me. My God, my father, supplies all my need. Pastor Tom quoted it said, giving thanks unto the who? Unto the father. Giving thanks to the father. Thank you, father. Something happens that you just really, really just are thankful for this week. Give him the glory. Oh, thank you, Father. You love me so much. I mean, a parking space, if it opens up closer than you thought it would, you say, thank you, Father, for your favor. Everywhere you go, everywhere you walk, you can talk with him. Thank you, my Father. You know, Thanksgiving's a lot better than complaining and belly aching. So he says, giving thanks to the Father. 
Because he's made us able to partake of a glorious inheritance in the saints. I believe this, that the more thankful we are to the Father, the more of the Father's presence we will have. And the more of the Father's presence we have, the more peace we have. And the more peace we have, the greater our emotions and our soul is. We're able to go through life with a sense of peace. And much less to say, the Father gives us joy. See, in Psalm 1611, it says, I will show you the path of life because in my Father's presence... Oh, come on, there's fullness of joy. And so what giving thanks to the Father will do, it will, it will help you and position you to receive more of Him and greater insight of who He is. Say it with me again. God, God is my Father. And so then, when I have a greater awareness of Him, then my fears are gone. My insecurities are gone. We could say it the way they said it. We've been turned into another man. We've been turned into another person. Hallelujah. When we know that he is our father, you know what that makes us? That makes us his sons. (laughs) Not just anybody's son now. Not just anybody's son. You know, the world would think it'd be wonderful to be the son of a CEO of GM or the son of, you know, the owner of Google. No, 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 no. That's small fry compared to our father. I said, that's small stuff. That's small potatoes compared to our father. Our father is God. Hallelujah. Let's look just at a few things this morning of what Jesus said concerning the father. Turn with me to John chapter 5. And notice with me in verse 16 through 18. John, the fifth chapter. My daddy's God. My daddy will take care of it. My daddy loves me. My daddy's for me. My daddy told me not to carry any cares. Did you know that your daddy doesn't want you walking around with the weight of the world on your shoulders? Did you know that the cares of this life, they can enter in and choke the Father's word out of your life? And that the cares of this life never did anything good for anybody? All the cares of this life do is rob you of sleep. All the cares of this life do is just, it just it's a thief. Worry is a thief. And I love this verse of Scripture. And let's, let me quote it to you for the sake of time today. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Here's what I want you to do with your care. Cast them all over on me. The word care there is an old Anglo-Saxon word, which means to choke. So, cast those things that are choking the life out of you. Cast them over on me. Amen. But he didn't stop there. He went on to say, when you cast all your cares on me, you will get an understanding. It's because I care for you. It's because that I love you so much that I don't want you carrying the cares of this life or carrying the cares of this world. 
You see, the father's care is different from that old Anglo-Saxon word to choke. The father's care is a care that loves. The father's care is a care that soothes. A father's care is the, is the care that lifts the burdens off of you. But did you know this? That you've got to give your cares to him. And don't give them halfway. Don't go to the altar and say, okay, Lord, I place my cares on the altar. And then at the end of the service, pick them up and go home with them. No, No, let this altar be your father's hands. You're in your father's care. I love what Paul said. He says, be careful for nothing. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Well, if I'm not going to worry, what am I going to (laughs) do? See, the problem is we have learned the art of worry. And worry is meditation, but it's meditating on the wrong things. So he said, cast your cares on me. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. What am I going to do? But in everything. By prayer and supplication. Now notice, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. See, when you have prayed and you've given it to God, just leave it alone. Now, you will be bombarded for a season in your soul. But just because cares and fears come to your soul doesn't mean you have to let them into your living room. Come on, somebody. That's why the Bible says you need to cast down some of those imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of my Father and bring him into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody says, well, I just don't know, Pastor, if I can do that. You can do it. He would never tell you to do something you couldn't do. He would never tell you to give me your cares if he wasn't your caretaker. Paul said this. He said, I can do all things. Through Jesus Christ, which strengthens me. Lift your hands up and say this with me. My father father is God. God. My daddy daddy is God. God. I take all my cares now. All my my fears. All all of my anxieties. Just do this. And I just cast them. I cast them on you. Now I confess today, I'm carefree. I don't have a care. Now just open up your hands and your heart and say, and I receive my Father's care. Hallelujah. I'm expecting things to turn around for me now. My Father's taking care of it. My Father's meeting that need. Just because your young ones and your little ones and your grandbabies and your sons and daughters have not turned to the Lord yet doesn't mean that God has, has not heard your prayer. He has heard your prayer. The Bible says the ears of the father are open to his sons and his daughters' prayers. And just because things haven't turned yet doesn't mean that your father's not working on it. Did you know that? 
He loves you so much and he loves them so much that he's setting up some, some divine connections for them. He's making sure that they're at the right place at the right time for when that labor crosses their path. Oh, come on. Don't you give up on your sons. Don't you give up on your daughters. Your father's working. My father's working. My life is a testimony. My life is a testimony to what your, my father can do. I grew up Catholic. My parents didn't know what to do with me. I was a mess. Going somewhere to mess up. On every drug you can think of and some you can't think of. Doing everything you can think of and some you shouldn't think of. Out there in the world, on my way to hell. And yet, my mom and my dad's relationship with God. Catholics praying the rosary, talking to God, calling out to God for their son. And God had a divine appointment for their son. And look what the Lord has done. Not me, but look what your father can do in the lives of your children, in the lives of your babies. He can turn things around. Hallelujah. Yeah, but my son, my daughter's made some wrong choices. Kids do that. Grandkids do that. But it ain't over. We don't play nine inning games. The Oakland A's took 18 innings to beat the Yankees the other day. But they got her done. We don't play nine inning games. This game ain't fear. We ain't playing no game. It ain't no game. We serve God. We serve a good father. Woo! Hallelujah. Who has ways of turning things around that we couldn't even think of. Hallelujah. I want to shout this morning. I want to dance. I want to give praise to God. Hallelujah. No nine inning games here. It's our ball. It's our bat. And our daddy's the umpire. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. So look at John chapter 5. <laughs> John the 5th chapter. Don't sweat it. That's the 11th commandment. Thou shalt not sweat it. John the 5th chapter. Verse 16, 18. The context of this. This is right after this man from the pool of the Bethesda was was made whole after several years of being in bondage. Jesus has just said to them, go and don't sin anymore, lest a worse thing come against you. And notice with me in John 5, verse 16 and verse 18. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus, and they sought to slay him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Hey, they didn't care about someone getting healed. They were legalists. They were just bound by the law. Verse 17, but Jesus answered them and said, My father works hitherto, and I work. And man, they got mad. They really got tuned up now. He said, therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he had not only broken the law, but said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. See, Jesus didn't see him as a judge or someone to be feared but as 
his father. Now turn me to John chapter 10. Verse 29 through 31. The context here is a man had just received his sight. Could be the same bunch. Got riled up. I mean, they got ticked off. And religion will do that to you. John chapter 10, verse 29 through 31. Man, I don't know if I can read this without just going ballistic and just happy. <laughs> Whoo, glory. Verse 29. He says, my father. There again, there's that relationship. My father. My father. My father, which gave them me. <laughs> he says, boys, my father is greater than all. <laughs> my, my, my father. My father. He's greater than all. And I want you to pay particular attention to that word greater than all. Because greater is he. Greater is he. Your father. By the Holy Spirit. That is in you. Than he that is in this world. All week long. You receive a challenging report from the doctor. The bills seem to get piling up stronger and talking louder. You just walk around your house and say, my father is greater than all. My father is greater than all. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. My father is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Read verse 30 with me. I... And my father, say it again, I and my father. Now listen, if Jesus and the father are one, and if you're joined unto the Lord and you become one spirit, doesn't it make sense to say that I, you, and your father are one through Christ? Now, you're not the Father, and you're not Jesus, but you're one with Him. That's powerful. Now, in closing, let's look over at John chapter 10. And uh, we don't have, uh, well, John chapter 20, excuse me. John chapter 20. Now, we know that the Father did not leave Jesus in the grave. Did he? We know that on that third day, the father raised his son up from the dead. So could we not say that he, Jesus, triumphed over death, hell, and the grave because of his father said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Now, for a period of time, he was forsaken. But the father looked and said, that's enough. Let's get him out of there. And so the the context of this in John chapter 20, it's beautiful, is at the tomb. And John chapter 20. And notice with me in verse 19. 
Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, fear of the who? Came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Woo! Be afraid. Boo! That's what I used to do to my kids sometimes. They'd come down the hallway and I'd jump out of the bathroom and go, Boo! Now they do it to me. She does it to me. She got me one time. I said, oh, don't do that. <laughs> anyway. And so Jesus said, peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto him his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my father has sent me, even though now I send you. And notice what he said to Mary in verse 16. Jesus said unto Mary, she turned around and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And then in verse 17, here's what I want you to get as we nail this message down. Jesus said to her, don't touch me, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to the brothers and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father. <laughs> and to my God. <laughs> Woo! And your God. Come on, somebody. Get the picture. He has triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. And he says, look, he's not only my father, but he's your father. He's not only my God, he's your God. He has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now you can come boldly to the throne of the Father and obtain grace and find mercy in your time of need. Oh, somebody. He is not just Jesus' father. He's my father. He's my dad. And I can get a hold of him 24-7, 365 days a year. And my dear brothers and sisters, you can too. What do you say about that? Are you happy about it? Let's just stand up and thank him then for the word that we've heard this morning. Father, we thank you that you are our father. You are so good to us. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, Ed, it's because of the Father's goodness in our life that we're good dads. There's no way, dads, that we could be good dads. We could be duddy dads. We could be bummer dads without a relationship with Him. But I'm telling you, the closer you draw near to Him, and the more you walk in fellowship with your Heavenly Father, the better dad you'll become the better person you'll become. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands and thank Him. Thank you, Lord.